Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. As we're kicking off this sermon, um, I just want us to posture our hearts to say yes to Jesus, no matter what he asks, that we would say yes in immediate obedience. And so that's, I'm kind of giving away a little bit of what the sermon is about ultimately, uh, but I think that that three-letter word should mark this Sunday in a profound way that after today, coming to church together, that we would all lift our hands to the Lord in surrender and give an even louder yes to heaven. So let's just start the day by saying yes. Yes, we say yes, Lord. We thank you for your word. As we go to 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to read a popular Sunday school story about the widowed woman with the last little bit in the meal barrel. So I'm sure you've, you know the story, you've heard the story, but hopefully today we can hit it from a different angle and extract some wonderful truth from God's word that we can apply to this season. So 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to read eight verses of scripture, starting with verse 8 and going to verse 16. So the Bible says this, then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. A morsel just being, you know, a tiny piece. What do you think of when you think of a morsel? He's not asking for a lot. He's asking for a little bit of water in a cup and he's asking for a small piece of bread in her hand. But she responds and she says, as the Lord your God lives, she probably recognizes Elijah As a man of God, I don't know if it's because of his accent as a Hebrew or his wardrobe as a prophet because he was dressed similarly to John the Baptist with his, you know, fur jacket and leather belt. But however it is um, that she recognizes Elijah, she, she says, as your God, who we know as Yahweh, as Yahweh lives, uh, I have nothing, uh, baked. I only have a handful of flour in a jar. I have a little, oil in a jug, and now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and for my son so that we can eat it and then die. So this woman has no hope. She has no food. She has no resources. She has already made up in her mind that she and her family are going to die of starvation. But Elijah says to her, do not fear. Now that, that, That's a terrible situation that that woman is in. And Elijah declares to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first, and here's where the risky business comes in. But first, I want you to go make me a little cake of it, and I want you to bring it to me. And then afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth, meaning the famine's going to end. And she went in and she did as Elijah said. 
And she and he and her household ate for many days. Some scholars believe this was uh, somewhere between uh, many days and two years. So quite some time that the barrel never ran dry. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want you to notice that we're beginning and we're ending with a familiar phrase. In verse 8, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. And in verse 16, it says, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, you might not notice it at first glance, but the main character in this Sunday school story is the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord. If you look throughout the arc of scripture and you look throughout this passage, you'll recognize that what packs the power in this story is God's word. So what I want to preach you today, and I wish I could do it in person with everybody in the room, but what I want to preach you today is, is this, risking everything on a word from God. All right, that's the title of the message, risking everything on a word from God. So Lord, we just ask that you would move in our hearts, move in our spirits today. Uh, we start with a big yes. We say yes, God. I know you ask us to do some crazy stuff every now and then. It seems kind of wild, the stuff that you lead us into. Uh, but we stand here before you today saying, yes, we will risk everything on a word from you. God, speak to us. Your servants are listening. Cultivate a heart of obedience in us right now. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody at home said amen, amen and amen and amen. So let me give you a little context on this story here. It's a, I'm sure you guys have heard this story before. I grew up hearing this story. Uh, but as I studied it this week on the airplane, I felt like I got a little bit more context, and so I want to share that with you. Uh, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verse 1, you'll actually get a little bit of background of what's happening in the midst of this story. In verse 1, uh, we see here that Elijah actually prophesies to a ruler named Abraham, Ahab, and he says this, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be do nor rain these years except by my word. And so contextually, we must understand that Israel, the entire nation, is right in the midst of a multi-year famine, meaning there is no rain, therefore there is no water, there's no ability for the crops to grow, so there is no food, and people all over the country are starving. Elijah tells the leadership, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any more food. We're going to live in the midst of a, of a famine until the word of the Lord comes forth and I speak it. And so Elijah has prophesied this. And when he prophesies, the famine basically starts immediately. And God sends him to a brook called Cherith. Everybody say Cherith. Cherith actually means to cut off, all right? So that's what Cherith means. So whenever God says, Elijah, you've prophesied this to the leadership, there's going to be no rain, therefore there's going to be no food, there's going to be a famine, and now I'm going to send you to go live by a brook called uh, to be cut off. So you're basically going to go into the wilderness, and you're going to be cut off from society. You're going to go all by yourself, 
and you're going to be cut off from familiarity. You're going to live by this brook called Cherith, and I am going to supernaturally feed you by allowing you to drink water out of the brook, and I'm going to send ravens. That's right. I know that seems wild, but God is going to supernaturally provide for the prophet Elijah by sending ravens with both bread and meat in their mouths. Like, I'm wondering which one of the ravens has a Traeger grill right now. Because, like, they're delivering the man of God meat that is edible. I was thinking, I'm like, man, what kind of meat is this? I don't know if they were stealing it from a restaurant or they were just grabbing it from heaven. I don't know. All I know is, is that Elijah, the prophet of God, as a result of his obedience to the word of the Lord, never even once missed breakfast or dinner in the midst of a famine. Now, if that is not mind-blowing, I don't know what is, because this is evidence of what your experience shall be when you risk everything on a word from the Lord. Even though the nation may be going through a famine, even though the people of God may be witnessing a drought, you will not go without because God will supernaturally provide for you both day and night as a result of your obedience and risking everything on a word from God. So Elijah's out there, you know, he's risking everything on a word from God, and he has moved uh, from, you know, from the city uh, to nowhere uh, with nothing. So, I mean, God doesn't see he has a grill, you know, he he doesn't have a, a Yeti collecting water. Like, this man has nothing, and yet God is supernaturally providing for him. Now, as an introvert, I would think that would be pretty comfortable, to be honest with you, like I could do that, I think, you know, for a little bit, like just camp out by the brook. I mean, I'm getting uh, filet mignon, like delivered to me uh, by a bird every morning and every night. It's pretty comfortable. But then there comes a day in which the brook begins to dry, dry up because there is no rain. And the word of the Lord comes back to Elijah once again. And in verse 8, he sa- it, the Bible tells us that. And in verse 10, we see his response. It says, so he arose and he went to Zarephath. So again, we see Elijah risking everything on a word from God. He risked it all to go to, the, to, go to Cherith. And now he's about to risk it all again to go to Zarephath. And, and, and the Bible tells us that he's going uh, into Zarephath of Sidon, right? So he goes from Cherith. You guys remember what, what Cherith means? To cut off, right? So he goes from, he goes from Cherith, which means to cut off, and he goes um, to, to, to Zarephath in Sidon. Now, this, this is going to blow your mind. You know, you know what Zarephath means? Zarephath is a refining place, okay? So it's actually the place of, 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 of smelting metal is, is what the Hebrew word means, which is kind of crazy, right? Because you've got uh, the prophet who's already in the place of being cut off, and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, I'm going to have you go from the place of being cut off to the place of being refined, Man, every now and then, everybody who's risking it all right now, (laughs) on a word from the Lord, you can testify to this right now. You're like, man, I thought it was bad, and it went from bad all the way to worse. You know, I was in the place of being cut off, and now I'm in the place of being melted down, right? But catch this, Zarephath doesn't even, uh, Zarephath doesn't only uh, uh, mean that Elijah would be in the place of being melted down, but it says that he's in Zarephath of Sidon. And you know what Sidon means? It means to be hunted down. Jeez, that is wild, all right? So 
if you've ever followed a word from God, you could, you know, you could probably bear witness to this. You know, you go from the place of, of exile being cut off, you go into the place of refinement, and now you're going into the place of being hunted down, which, which totally makes sense, by the way. All right, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you why it makes sense. This, this is kind of crazy, all right? It's kind of crazy. So the reason why it makes sense is because Zarephath in Sidon is the hometown of Jezebel. Absolutely. It's the hometown, it's the hometown of Jezebel. Isn't it, it, this crazy? So you've got, you've got Elijah. He's out by himself. You know, he's being supernaturally fed by ravens in the place of being cut off. And then the word of the Lord comes to him and says, I want you to go from the wilderness. I want you to go into the city. And as you get into the city, know this, you're going to go into a Phoenician city where there are heathen worshipers that are offering sacrifices to Baal. And it just so happens to be the hometown of your murderous enemy, whose name is Jezebel. Now, that is a crazy experience uh, for Elijah. But I think anybody who's trying to follow a word from God could say, yeah, that, that, that feels a little bit familiar. So let me, let me just recap the, the context for you real quick. So in the midst of a multi-year famine, God sends his prophet Elijah from the wilderness into a Baal-worshiping city where there is no food, and there is no water to be fed by a starving widow under the shadow of a murderous witch. Great. Sounds great. That sounds easy enough. That ain't no problems, right? Like, this is what it looks like to risk everything on a word of the Lord. And so Elijah, you know, he has no idea the type of woman that he might meet, but he goes to the city where God has asked him to go, and then he meets this woman in the city gates. And I could not help but to notice where he met the woman. The Bible says that he met the woman in the city gates. Who hangs out in the city gates? Uh-oh. I can tell you who hangs out in the city gates. Leaders hang out in the city gates. Kings, queens, politicians, business people, entrepreneurs. What in the world is a starving widow doing in the city gates? I mean, this just caught my attention. doesn't really have a lot to do with the message, but I do think that it matters for somebody listening because this lonely, starving, poor, broken widow was occupying the city gates, and I think, I think that that speaks to the spiritual authority that she had in the region. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to online today, but I have to believe that there are some people out there who would see themselves as this broken down, busted, disgusted, starving widow, and yet God has placed you in the city gates, giving you supernatural revelation about your region, giving you supernatural authority in your region. Yeah, you might be living in the midst of a heathen, bell-worshipping uh, area where there is demonic influence like Jezebel that is wreaking havoc on that place, but do not forget that God has held you back and set you apart as an anointed woman of God, as an anointed man of God. And so even though it might seem like you're starving right now, know this, that God has placed authority on your life and you have power where he's put you. Your region is different because of your allegiance to him. And I just have to believe that as Elijah was coming up on the city gates, he saw this woman and, uh, and he began to speak to her thinking, what if this is, what if this is the woman? I, maybe, maybe he just tested her with the water because God didn't say that, that the widow would give him drink. God said that the widow would feed him. And so he says, hey, 
um, can I get, please, a, a cup of water? And I want you to notice something. She doesn't argue. She doesn't push back. She just moves right into immediate obedience. She says, okay, I'm going to go get the water. Now, I, I looked this up. H historically, in, in ancient Middle East, Eastern cultures, um, it's actually considered to be a sacred duty to provide water to somebody who asks you for it, even if it's your last little bit. So, so we don't know if she was, if she was following along with the sacred duty of, of giving uh, a thirsty person water in the midst of the desert, or it was because she recognized Elijah as a man of God, but she immediately went to go and get the water. She doesn't actually respond until he says, oh, hey, by the way, I want you to actually also bring me a piece of bread. I want you to take, even if, even if it's just a tiny piece, even if it's just a small piece, I want you to bring me a piece of bread. Now, obviously, God, God spoke to Elijah about what would happen when he got there. We don't necessarily know if he knew exactly what the widow would look like, but here's what he did know, and this is point one of the message. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When God gives you a word to move into a new place, he'll put provision for you in the place he's told you to go. All right, let me say it again. This is point number one. When God gives you a word to move you into a new place, he'll put provision for you in the place he's told you to go. When God sends you into a new place, you don't need to be worried about sustenance. If I'm talking to you right now, just put an amen in the, chart, in the chat. Just put a little, you know, lifting hands emoji. Do a little dancing emoji. Somebody take a lap around the, around the living room right now, you know. Anytime that God sends you into a new place, you do not need to be worried about sustenance. Because whenever God sends you, God goes before you. You hear me, church? Whenever God sends you, God goes before you. God will prepare provision before you, uh, before you even get there. Before you even arrive, he's going to go ahead and set a table up for you. And guess what? It might flow from the most unlikely places. You may have just moved to Nashville thinking, oh, I got a job. It's, it's very clear. I have a setup. You get there only to find out the job doesn't exist. You're not going to get paid by the people you thought you would. And then God provides you with a different opportunity for you to earn an income and be sustained. That is how God works. If he is sending you, he goes before you. If he is sending you, you don't need to worry about sustenance because he will take care of you. Church, you do not need to consult with your bank account when God gives you a word because I can guarantee that God does not. He's not uh, like thumbing through your checkbook before he decides to speak to you. He's not consulting with your resources before he gives you a prophetic promise. Our resources cannot hinder God's word. Our lack can never hinder God's word. If he said it, our responsibility is to believe it. And as I was preparing this, this, this word, I just felt prophetically that there would be some people on the live stream that are listening that God has told you to move to Nashville. And I just, I want you to know, I, you don't even have to come to our church, all right? You just may have found this on YouTube or something. It's not that. I just felt prophetically that there are some people, because I hear it all the time, like DMs, Instagram, like, man, God's told me to move to Nashville, but I don't have anything. Listen, God's not consulting with your resources before he gives you a, a promise, all right? If there's somebody listening, you're like, man, I'm supposed to do that, but I'm really worried about money. Listen, if God has told you to move, know that he's already put provision in the place that he's told you to go. Amen. 
All right? Just know that. And actually, I'm sure everybody up here has moved here probably with a similar promise. I don't know about you, Kevin. I, I moved when I was young, so I was broke, and I was broke when I moved here. So that really what didn't... How about you, Ren? You moved here. It's kind of the same. God told you. You moved from Reading, right? Uh, I moved just from North Carolina and somehow made it on $12,000 my first year here. $12,000. Look at that testimony right there. Hey, bro, that's a t- free food. Uh, all kinds of stuff was letting me, people let me borrow things that I needed. Let's go. Yeah. I had no furniture in my room. Let's go. I was the guy without a bed frame. Hey, that was all of us. That was me. Do you still, you got a bed frame now? I got a bed frame. Hey, now. you're an eligible bachelor now. Praise God. Let's go. Let's go. You got to get that bed frame. That's a word from somebody for somebody. What has God spoken to you to move on from? That, that's a good question, I think, for, for somebody listening. What has God spoken to you to move on from? What has he asked you to leave behind, but you're holding on to it because of a lack of resources? Don't do that anymore. Let me give you point one again. When God gives you a word to move into a new place, he'll put provision for you in the place that he's told you to go. When God gives you a word, he'll put provision in the place that he's told you to go. Uh, If you agree, just say amen. Money is not a problem for God. That's it. Money is not a problem for God. And so we see here in uh, in verse 10 uh, that Elijah, he asked for the woman's last. He he asked her, you know, uh, hey, give me that bread. Uh, I need the water, but I want you to give me the bread. And what he's doing is he's telling her to risk everything on a word from the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, And he called to her and he said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she's going to bring it, notice she didn't argue. She just immediately obeys. He called to her and he said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she says, As, your God, as the Lord your God lives, I got nothing baked. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Only a handful of flour. Everybody say a handful. Yeah. Only a little oil. Everybody say little. Right? And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks. Everybody say a couple. Do you guys, you guys notice the measurements that the widow gives? I think that's very fascinating. I read through that, slowed down, said, oh, look at her giving measurements to prove her lack. Because she's like, oh, I got nothing. Uh, I, got, I got nothing. I only got a handful. I got a little bit. And now I got a couple of sticks, right? And so uh, even though she's willing to go fetch the water, it's not until Elijah asks her uh, to risk everything on a word from the Lord does she start to respond and start to give Elijah measurements as to why his request is actually impossible. She has nothing. She tells him she's finished. She tells him she's starving. She tells him she's about to die. And so she has essentially sealed her fate. She is so well aware of what she does not have. She says, Elijah, listen, my resources are finite. My resources are limited. Listen to these minuscule measurements. I've got nothing. I've got a handful. I've got a little. I've got a couple. And what this widow is doing is she is speaking the language of lack. And I I just believe that there are some people today who are going to be delivered in Jesus' name from speaking the language of lack. I proclaim that God is going to upgrade our language and give us a greater lens as to view life through, not lack. Because when we get a word from God, it's quite normal for us to consider what's in our hands. We look at what we don't have 
rather than viewing what it is we have by the grace of God and what he's given us. And when we look through a lens of lack, it's so easy to make excuses for not following a word from God. But what we don't have is never an excuse for disobedience. Let me say it again. What you don't have is never an excuse for disobedience. I can promise you this. God's very well aware of what you have and don't have because he's given it all to you anyway. So when God gives us a word, he's not worried about what you don't have. He's ready to use what we already have in our hands, not what we think we need to have in our hands. So this is point two. You can write this down. I've only got three points. This is point two. Point two is this. When God gives you a word, know that you need nothing more to be obedient. You have enough. When God gives you a word, know that you need nothing more to obey him. You have enough. How often have you said, well, I would do it, but. Well, I would obey God, but. Well, I would pursue my prophetic words, but. Well, I would believe God for that promise, but. Well, I would pursue the God dream that's been placed upon my heart, but, right? Just fill in the blank. But I don't have this, but I need this, but I'm not ready, but I need more. We do not ever have a good excuse for disobedience. What we do not have is not ever, ever, ever an excuse for disobedience, church. I want you to consider uh, the loaves and the fishes. Consider the small faith, the size of the mustard seed. You may think that you have nothing, but God says you have plenty when you have a word from him. You, he, he'll, he'll take what you call small, and he'll say, that's plenty. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll look at what you have, be like, oh, well, I only have this. And God say, that's plenty. You, know, you, you think about the little boy with the, with, with the little lunch. He had a little Lunchables, you know, and, and God said, that'll do, right? And so that's the way that we have to approach God, knowing that we may not have everything that we think we need, but God knows everything that we have, and with a word, we have plenty. We have pl- Everybody just say, I have plenty. Yeah, just let that let settle into your heart this morning. I have plenty plenty. And not only do you have enough, I just felt to tell somebody this this morning, not only do you have enough, but you are enough. Somebody needs to hear that. Not only do you have enough, but you are enough. God is well aware of who he's giving his word to. Uh, God doesn't speak by accident, and he doesn't speak to the wrong person. God's not like trying to get a word to the person that sits behind you in church, and it accidentally falls into your heart. All right? Like, God is very intentional as to what he says and who he speaks to. When God speaks to you, he declares that you, yes, you, have what you need to obey his word. Um, I I was telling a church this past week in in Sacramento, California, uh, about a story uh, about a time when God had spoken to me about some things to do in ministry, and I told the Lord in prayer that there's no way I could do it because I had not completed a specific ministry school training program. I told the Lord after he told me what to do, oh, in order for me to do that, I'd have to go to school. 
at that school and I'd have to get trained by that pastor and I'd need that person to lay hands on me so I could get an impartation so that I could be ready to do what you're telling me to do. And I remember the Lord told me, you don't need a man to tell you who you are. I tell you that you are enough. I give you this word. I've given you these instructions and you already have what you need in order to be obedient to me. Not only do you have enough, I have plenty, but you are enough. God sees you. God knows you. He's put his word in you and he's not checking with any of your inadequacies before he hand delivers you a promise. He knows who you are and he knows what you're capable of by his spirit in Jesus name. And so in the story, Elijah tells the woman what's to come if she'll risk everything on a word from God. And, and, and this is, you know, this is kind of the, the whole crux of the story. Because whenever he tells the woman, I want you to go take the bread and I want you to bake it. And then I want you to give me the first portion of it. How many of you guys would do that? I mean, come on. If you have a starving child next to you and you're like, this is our last supper. And I totally believe you're a man from God. I totally believe that you hear from the Lord. I do believe that you've given me a word. How many of us would actually take food and resource out of our own children's mouth uh, to then give it in obedience, in accordance uh, to what the prophet is saying, which is a word from God, which makes all the difference because it's actually a word from God. And, you know, I, I don't know if I could do it, to be honest with you. But see, that's what sets um, bench warmers apart from world changers, to be honest with you. As I'm reading through the Bible during our Bible reading plan, I'm noticing the one thing that sets the hall of faith apart from just, you know, everyone else. And that is the speed of their obedience. And that's what this widow does. She's like, okay, that's a word from God. I know it's a word from God. It's not a word from man. It's not a passive suggestion. It is a word in the mouth of a prophet. It's been delivered to me. And my responsibility now is to immediately obey and act on the word of the Lord. Because she understands something that Elijah has already figured out, which is that her obedience is tied to her provision. Now, I'm going to say it again because you got to get it is that she understands something that Elijah has figured out at the brook of Cherith by being fed by the ravens, is that the speed of her obedience is tied to the abundance of her provision. See, I, see, I wish I was preaching this on Sunday morning. It would, just get, it would just get wild at that point. That would just be the point right there that everybody would be like, ah, yeah. The speed of our obedience is tied to the abundance of our provision. If you want more, obey quicker. All right? If you, if you want to live a lifestyle of abundance, obey quicker. Because the speed of your obedience is tied to the abundance of your provision, which is why Elijah declares, don't be afraid. Don't go into this state of paralysis by analysis and try to figure out how this is going to work. Simply receive the word of the Lord and immediately obey because God is going to take care of you. Do not Fear. Don't stay stuck in a state of fear. Isn't that what happens when you get a word from the Lord, church? Because it's so big and it's so grand and it's so powerful and it's just so life-changing and it's so mind-blowing that you're like, hold on, wait, I don't have enough, I'm not enough. And so we stay in this state of fear. But that's exactly what Elijah is telling the widow to get out of immediately. Don't fear, 
Don't think about it too long. Move by faith. Move by grace. God's given you a word. Don't fear. I have revelation. God will supernaturally provide from you. Ravens literally fed me by a brook as I drank from the brook for a very long time all by myself in the wilderness in a place of being completely cut off. I have supernatural revelation. Lady, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. Don't fear. Don't worry. It's going to happen. He's already spoken to me. We can build our lives on the word of the Lord. Don't fear. Do as I'm telling you to do because there will be enough. And, and how, did, how does she respond, right? She responds, uh, responds not by reciting again these minuscule measurements, but she responds by immediately moving into uh, what Elijah has told her to do. All she needed to do was obey, and she immediately does. And this is point three. Point three is this. The only thing that can nullify a word from God is the speed of your obedience. Church, God is not a man that he should lie. If a prophetic promise does not come to pass in your life, Who is at fault? It's not God. God does not lie to us. He doesn't dangle a carrot in front of our face as we run throughout this life thinking, ha ha, tricked them. I totally got them to buy into that nonsense so that they would give their life to something that was not actually fulfilling. No, God does not do that. God gives us promises. He prophesies to us about the potential of our life experience. He gives out invitations constantly in prayer if we're listening. And he says, I'm inviting you into the life of Jesus, which is the life of abundance, life and life more abundantly. Isn't that what Jesus tells us he invites us into? And so our responsibility is simply this. Check yes on the RSVP invitation with speed. Yes, I say yes. I surrender. I give up. I hold nothing back. That's what January is all about, Legacy. I'm holding nothing back. I am saying yes. Swift obedience is the arc of this entire story. Everyone risks everything on a word from God, and they do it right away. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but we live in like this microwave generation. Have you guys noticed that? Right? Everybody wants something real fast. It's like everybody's wanting something so fast. It's just, we're, we're not patient at all. But what's amazing to me is that our generation gets really patient when it's time to obey a word from God. Have you ever noticed that? It's like we're the most impatient people ever until we get a word from God. And then everybody wants to slow down. Like, everybody's like, fast, 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 fast. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. And then, like, God speaks, and they're like, well, you know, we're going to have to wait a minute. We want to think about that. We want to sleep on that. We want to call everybody in our, our phones. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I want to be wise and everything. You know, I'm going to make sure I'm practicing wisdom. And so I want to interview a couple people to make sure it's a word from God. Like, we get so patient when we get a word from God whenever we are otherwise never, ever patient. It is actually astounding. I'm realizing this as I'm getting older, is that the only thing you need to be in a hurry to do is obey God. Everything else, you can pretty much take your time. You know what I mean? Like, just move at the pace of grace. You ain't got to be moving fast all the time. You ain't always got to be in a hurry. You want to move in step with the Spirit. You don't want to move outside a step with God. You just want to be settled. You want to be at rest. You want to be at peace. You want to breathe easy. No, man, I'm right where the Lord has me. I'm walking with the Lord. You don't need to be in a hurry to do anything except to obey 
God. God will make sure that you end up where you're supposed to be. God will make sure that you have the resources that you need and are supposed to have. God will put you in the positions that he wants you to go so long as you stay obedient. So the only thing that can nullify a word from God is the speed of you of our obedience. Whenever we go slow in obeying God, it actually proves that we're holding something back to God, from God. So this whole series, right, it's called Holding Nothing Back. So how do we know when we're holding something back from God? When God asks us to do something and we drag our feet. That right there is evidence that you're holding something back from God. That right there is evidence that you have not laid that thing on the altar. That right there is evidence that there is something standing between you and him. And most often, it is an item that elicits distrust whenever the Father asks you for it. It's like, oh, nope, I don't think I trust you with that, so I'm going to slow my obedience down. You're holding something back, all right? And, and this, is the, this is the month. Uh, of, of 2022, where we are going to let go of the things that we are holding back from God. Um, well, there's something that Elijah and the starving widow have in common, and that's that they're well aware that their provision is very much tied to their obedience from the standpoint that if they don't obey, it's going to cost them their lives. If they don't obey, they're actually going to die. And I know that we today in 2022 are not living under the same threat. If we don't obey God, we may not physically die. But I really do believe that spiritually, when we hold things back from God, we are in the state of dying, spiritually. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. Because um, for the widow and for Elijah, disobedience meant starvation. And so what I gather from that is that disobedience in our own lives always leads to spiritual malnourishment. And I know there's a lot of people who will say, well, I'm not going to church anymore because I'm not getting fed, or I don't want to be a Christian anymore because it's not satisfying. And I think the reality is that the reason why we're so spiritually malnourished is not because we don't have a good pastor in the pulpit feeding us the word of God, but because we're disobedient and we're making excuses for our disobedience. That, that was a little heavy. It was a bit of a punch, wasn't it? I don't know. I, that was a little harsh, you know. But we have to come to this place, church, of holding nothing back. And here's what holding nothing back looks like. Immediate obedience. Everybody say immediate obedience. Immediate. Holding nothing back from God looks like immediate obedience. How long does God have to ask you for something before you're willing to let it go? <laughs> how long, how many times does God have to prophesy to you about something before you submit yourself and you say, yes, okay, God, here you go. Like you've sent like a prophet, another prophet. I got a prophetic dream. My spouse told me, my pastor told me, my friend told me, my sister called me. Like how many times does God have to contact you to say, put that thing on the altar before you're like, okay, okay, Lord right? Like that right there is what holding nothing back looks like. Immediate obedience. Yes. Don't make him go through. I mean, how hard is it for God to get to you to say, I want that thing, yes. or I want you to let that go, or I want you to move into this. Like holding nothing back looks like immediate obedience. When the woman obeyed right away, she was blessed with supernatural provision and abundance. And the Bible says she not only had enough food for herself, but it says she had enough food for her son. I don't know if you guys saw that when we first started reading, but it also said that she had enough food for Elijah. It said she and he, and get this, and her household. 
You know what that means? Is that her immediate obedience actually brought forth so much abundance of provision that she was not only sustained through a famine for years, but so were her friends and her family. Like, your obedience will actually bless the people that you're connected to. There'll be enough bread in your house that your community can eat from if you are a person who is willing to be immediately obedient. I, I, I really believe, my pastor says that your ability to lead is connected to your ability to feed. And you're not going to have any bread in the house if you're not obedient to God. If you want to be a leader, you've got to practice immediate obedience. If you want to be influential in the kingdom of God, here's how you steward influence and grow in your anointing. Immediate obedience. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm just hitting this point maybe a little bit too long, but it's the, the, the point of the matter is, is that if we're going to be a people that are holding nothing back from God, we must practice immediate obedience. Anytime we receive a word from God, we have a choice, church. We can accept and obey, or we can decline, ignore, and disobey. But if we are disobedient and we constantly choose to ignore God, we cannot complain when we find ourselves living on less than God's best. We must practice immediate obedience. Don't blame God. He's given us so many opportunities to step into more, and let's stop declining his invitations. Let's make January the month that we step into a lifestyle of holding nothing back. Last thing I want to say is that prophecy is conditional, all right? Like, I know in this last season, there's been a lot of confusion around, you know, prophetic words and prophecy and what does it mean to have a prophetic word. Listen, I don't know a better way to say this. You are not special because you have a word from God, all right? We've all got word from, words from God. What makes the difference is obeying a word from God. <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, I got this word, I got this word, I got this word. Well, are you doing the word? Yeah. All right? Because we all have words, but it's not about having a word because it's not about hearing. It's about doing. It's about activating. It's about obeying and stepping into what God has called us to do. Receiving a word doesn't guarantee the word comes true. God doesn't lie, but we can't ignore his, his words and disobey his commands and then be upset when we don't see prophetic promises fulfilled. We have to put action behind our faith. What did James say? Faith without works is dead, right? So let, we're going to pray. I'm so grateful that we could dive into 1 Kings 17 today despite the weather I'm so excited for what God is doing in our church this month in January. This is an amazing start to a brand new year. It truly is going to be the year of growing down, church. And I'm excited because God is going to give us words, and we're going to see fulfillments of those words this year. So let me ask you as we're praying, if you have a word, I want to ask you just search your heart. Just think about it for a moment. Do you have a word from God? Has God spoken to you? Do you have a promise? Do you have a prophetic word? Is there anything that you have a word from God about? If the answer is yes, then I want to ask you a follow-up question, which is, do you need to obey it now? Is there something that God has put in your spirit, and he's like, yes, I told you to do that. You haven't done it. Do it now. Do it now. It's time to be immediate, immediately obedient. It's time to stop holding things back from God. It is time to do it. And, um, you know, maybe it was, and I'm, honestly, I think there are times in which we do have words from God that maybe it's like God's not asking us to do that anymore. 
You know, maybe he did once upon a time. Maybe we missed it. We just repent and we move forward. And God says, hey, that was a word for yesteryear, but it's not a word for, de- for today. Here is fresh bread. And if you're in that place where you're like, I used to have a word, but I don't feel like that's what God's asking me to do anymore, or no, I don't have a word, then what I want to do with the rest of our time is just contend that we would all receive words from God for 2022, and that we would step out knowing that God's going to make a way for us, that we would go and move with the Spirit knowing that everything we could potentially be worried about, God has already provided for, and that we would not wait, not even a moment, unless God tells us to. So, Lord, I just pray right now over every single person that's a part of this house and those watching online and people who are connected to us, our friends, our family members. And, God, I ask that your voice would cut through the noise today in Jesus' name. I pray that you would sow seed into the soil of our spirits. I pray that your voice would be so loud and clear in our lives that without a shadow of a doubt, we would know what you're calling us to do, where you're calling us to go, what you're calling us to say, how you're calling us to move, where you're calling us to work, where you'd have us to go uh, for our careers, what city you might have us to live in, what nation you might have us to go to. Uh, All of the things that we are uh, pretty consistently confused about and think about, God, I pray you would provide clarity today in Jesus' name. Break through the noise, Lord, and bring clarity. And then, Holy Spirit, I ask for courage and for bravery and for strength to follow your word and to be immediately obedient. I'm thinking of the uh, centurion. I think it was a centurion. You know, he said, uh, oh, I have faith, but help my unbelief. I don't know if it was a centurion or just somebody else Jesus was talking to, but um, I can't remember right now. But I remember that moment in the scripture when he says, oh, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, we're sorry, and we repent for the moments of time in which we don't trust you, and we don't listen, and we don't obey right away. There's no reason for conv- con- condemnation or shame or, um, or that we feel like, okay, well, let's just write it off. I, I, I'm not a good Christian. I don't listen. I don't obey. If that's where you are today, uh, I just, I just want to tell you God loves you. Uh, he believes in you. He can restore you. He's forgiven you as you repent and you seek his forgiveness, and he wants to put his Holy Spirit in you so that you're not moving in accordance to your own strength and your own gifting and your own ability, but by his spirit and by his grace and by his supernatural power. That is how we can obey, not by our own strength, but by God's grace. And so, Lord, we just say thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for helping us in our weaknesses. Thank you for helping us where we don't have faith or where we don't know to trust you, Lord. Heal us, help us, strengthen us, because we want to say yes And so we say yes. Come on, church, wherever you are, just say yes. We say yes. We say yes to what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen and amen and amen. We love you, Lord. We bless you, God. We want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.